Now, here's, here's a question I have for you. How many of you have ever went overboard on something in your life? You've just, you've just taken something too far. You've went overboard. You know what I'm saying? Like, like your advisor at school said, hey, you should challenge yourself and take an AP class. And you decided to take three. And like halfway through the semester, you're like, what was I thinking? Anybody ever done that before? Yeah. Amen, girl. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or how about this? How about this? How about... Man, y'all are wound up tonight. How about you went downstairs, and you were just going to have a couple spoonfuls of ice cream, and you ate the whole carton. Anybody ever done that before? Anybody, anybody with me? Now, now, I have an addictive personality. I have a tendency to go overboard. This is always, I'm always reminded of every time I go to a buffet. And uh, I mean, I'm always going overboard in some area of my life. And I remember when I was 12 years old, I went over to a friend's house for a birthday party. Now, while I was over at my friend's house for my birthday party, my friend's favorite food was my favorite food. My favorite food was tacos. <laughs> Praise Jesus. And, uh, and uh, thank you for Mexico. And uh, so, so I love tacos, and, and he loved tacos. And so his mom, uh, for kind of the, the night for the party, had bought a bunch of those, like, 10-pack boxes from Taco Bell. And we had all of these boxes, and we were so excited that we had all these tacos. Now, listen, my guys, where you at? How many of you guys, when you get together with your friends, you just have to, at some point of the night, have some kind of competition? You know what I'm saying? All right, so we decided to have this competition, and this is the competition. We were going to see who could eat the most tacos. Now, listen, I'm 12 years old. God is my witness. I ate two 10-pack boxes. I ate 20 tacos. You're welcome. Now, now, I eat these 20 tacos, and I'm like, and, and, and now listen, I probably couldn't eat five now, but I ate 20 tacos, and literally I felt like I had been run over by a car. Like, the truth is, I won the bet, but in the end, I lost. You know what I'm saying? For the rest of the night, I couldn't move. I was up on the couch. I was like, oh. My, I couldn't play. I couldn't do anything else that all my friends were doing. And, 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 you know, tacos are good going down, but when you eat 20 of them, it ain't all that friendly coming out. You know what I'm saying? It's not... It's not a good day. And the truth is, is that sometimes too much of a good thing, like tacos, is not a good thing. In fact, in, in, uh, in uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, uh, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, the son of David, he wrote this down in the book of Proverbs. He said this. He says, he says if you find honey, he's talking to the people, he says, if you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it, and you will vomit. Now, I can imagine if Solomon was like in our day, it would be something like this. Hey, listen, if you find a Taco Bell, eat just enough, too much of it, and you're going to get sick. I think that's what Solomon would say if, if he was in, in our time. Because sometimes too much of a good thing is not a good thing. And I love what he says here. Eat just enough. But if you eat too much, you're not going to feel well. What I found is that in most areas of life, in most areas of life, the key is balance. That in most areas of our life, we're trying to find balance. We're trying to find balance in, in every little area of our life. And, and, and sometimes uh, we can overdo it and do too much. And, and sometimes we can do too little. And we're trying to figure out what that balance is. Like, like for example, 
Uh, there's nothing wrong with playing video games. But if you play six hours a day, seven days a week, things are a little out of balance. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 you've, like you've done too much, right? If, if you, if, if uh, we all need food, right? Like God created us and, and, and we have to have food to give us nutrients and, and just enough food uh, allows us to be able to live life and to have energy and to be satisfied. But if you eat too much, you feel like I feel like, uh, or if you eat too little, you're malnourished. Now we know that exercise is a good thing. Exercise is a healthy thing. In fact, I like to exercise. But the truth is, if you exercise six hours a day, seven days a week, that is not healthy for you, all right? That's not healthy for you. Your body needs a chance to recover from that. And so the key in this is, is that in a life, oftentimes, we have to find balance. But here's the deal. We live in a culture, we live in a culture that is obsessed over so many different things that we have a difficult time figuring out what balance looks like in most areas of our life. And so we're, we're obsessed with our relationships. We're obsessed with our friendships. We're, we're obsessed with our sports. And we're obsessed with our hobbies. We're obsessed with Netflix. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? Like, in our culture, we obsess over so many things. And now here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want you to catch this. This is why we're having this conversation. This is why we're doing this series called Obsession. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to target relationships, dating relationships. We're going to talk about purity. We're going to talk about all of these different things that deal in the realm of relationships over these next several weeks. And the reason that we're going to talk about them is, is because we live in a world now where relationship people are obsessed with relationships, where relationships oftentimes take over reality. Now, the truth is, is that in any subject, in any conversation that we have, the culture has a voice that it is trying to communicate to us. And that is communicated to us through our friends, it's communicated to us through our teachers, it's communicated to us through our media, it's communicated in all these different areas. And our culture is communicating all of these different ideas on how we should view dating, how we should view relationships, how we should view sex, how we should view all of these things. And what we're going to set out to do in this series is we are going to right-size some of that kind of stuff and show you that maybe what the culture is saying is maybe not necessarily the most healthy and appropriate thing, that maybe actually God has something to say about it, and it's pretty powerful and pretty significant for you if you can get it. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verses 2, we'll put it up on the screen, it says this. It says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. And, and, and the patterns of this world are the culture of this world. So do not be conformed any longer to the culture of our world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That let's go and let's explore. Let's see what God has to say about relationships. Because the truth is, God is not silent. The Bible talks a lot about it. It gets down in the most intimate and significant areas of our life. And that includes relationships. And so this is what we're going to be going after in this semester. And I'm super excited about it. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying, yeah, man, I hear you, dude. But, like, I'm not very, like, uh, obsessed with dating. That's not a thing for me. And for you, that's great. I hope it's not. But I don't ever want you to ever get there. But I do want to give you just a little bit of a, kind of a little bit of a quiz on ten symptoms of knowing if you're obsessed with dating. And here they are. Number one, you are single sad. You are single sad. When you see a happy couple, you feel sad for yourself. Oh. 
Another symptom of dating obsession. You think that singleness is always bad and that dating is always good. Another symptom. All of your exes are the devil, but the current guy or girl that you have is perfect. Now, here's the truth. The chances are, if you dated a guy last time who is the devil, chances are your poor decisions in that relationship carried over to this relationship, and you're going to see not long from now that he might be the same. Number four, you're unable to ignore social media posts about other people's relationships. Number five, when a relationship ends, the very next thing you do is jump into another relationship. Number six, you have apps like Tinder that you claim are just for fun, but you know the truth. You are quick to assume your relationships will last forever. He's the one. You will say, you'll, you'll, you say yes to anyone, even if you know they are bad for you. Mm. When you're dating, God is good. When you're single, God is gone. You think that being in a relationship will solve your problems. Listen, there's, there's one thing I want you to know tonight, and there's one thing I want you to do. And if you're taking notes, you got your notes there, you can open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, there's a Bible under your seat, and we're going to get to that here in a minute. But there's, the thing I want you to know is this, is that obsessions subtract. If you're taking notes, what I want you to know is obsessions subtract. Here's the problem with obsessing. The problem is, is that when I'm done obsess, obsessing, it has made a subtraction from my life. When I've just finished binge-watching Netflix or playing Black Ops 3, it's a good game. When I get finished binging on those things, my pri- the, the things in my life, the, my responsibilities are still there. Homework still has to get done. The only difference is I have less time and the quality is not going to be as good. See, it subtracts from my life. I can give you many examples of where obsessing over things uh, 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 subtracts from your life. And the same goes with relationships. That when we become obsessed in relationships and binge on a person, it begins to subtract from our life. And I'm going to illustrate with a simple way. I want every person in the room who is single to stand up. Every person, stand up if you're single. If you're in a dating relationship, stay seated. If you're single, stand up. Freedom! All right, quietly. Stand up quietly. Stand up quietly. Now listen, if you're in the room and your boyfriend just stood up, you might want to have a conversation. Now single people, listen to me. Listen to me, single people. You ready? I want you to raise your hand when I ask you this question here in a second. All the questions, raise your hand all right, or, or, or let me know. Ready? All right, here you go, here you go. Question number one. Question number one. Question number one, if at some point in your life, at some point, it may be in the future, it may be five months from now, maybe five years from now, maybe maybe five minutes from now, if sometime in your life you were to find the right person, the right person, how many of you would say, man, that would be something that I would want in my life? Raise your hand. If I'd find the right person, all right, put your hands down. Some point in your life. All right. Now, how many of you, when you find that right person, want that person to add value to your life, to contribute to your life, and to contribute to to who you are as a person? How many of you want to date and be with someone like that? All right, put your hands down. Put your hands down. How many of you want to be in a relationship where it subtracts from your life? Raise your hand. Nobody, right? Okay. 
Just making sure nobody is raising their hand. Yeah, none of us want to be in a relationship that subtracts from our life. How many of you want to be in a relationship where it distances you from your relationship with God, with your relationship with your friends, and your relationships with your family? Who wants to be in a relationship that is like that? Raise your hand. Exactly. All right, y'all can sit down. Thank you for participating in my little experiment. Thank you. When you are dating, listen, when you are dating, you have to ask yourself this question. Do the things that are of primary importance in my life, do the things that are of primary importance in my life shift, diminish, get subtracted from, or are they built on? Are they added to? Now, I want to show you something that is significant for me. This is how I think. This is how I live my life. This is how I view the priorities in my life. And I just put it up here like this. My priorities. My P. My priorities. I got a little chart right there on your notes. You can write this down. My priorities. I also have up here your priorities. And we're going to talk about this. And I want to walk you through it. The first thing I want to tell you is, is that under my priorities, the thing that is most important to me in my life is my relationship with God. My relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus is the most important thing in my life. That nothing else in my life carries preeminence over that not my wife not my kid nothing in my life is more important than my relationship with God and God cares about the priorities that you have set in your life in fact uh, uh, in Exodus chapter 20 if you just open your Bibles there this is uh, where we see the Ten Commandments I want to read this to you I'm gonna read verses 1 through verse 4 we'll also have it up on the screens he says this and God spoke all these words saying I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He's, he's giving this to Moses to pass on to the people. And the first thing he says is, I want to remind you who I am. I am your God. Remember when you were in slavery for 400 years and you had no hope, you had no deliverance in sight, and I took you out of Egypt. I rescued you under the hand of slavery because I love you and I care about you because you're my people. That was me who delivered you. And these people were alive. These people had just got out of Egypt, so these people knew uh, who God was and saw all this stuff happen, saw the Red Sea part, saw themselves walk across, saw the Egyptian army get wiped away by the waves from it. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, I must be preeminent in your life. Then nothing else should take the position that I am designed to take in your life. And he goes on, he says, You shall not make for yourself carved images or make any image or any likeness of anything that is above, that is in heaven above or anything that is on earth beneath or that is in the water or under the earth. In other words, let me say it to you like this. You're not to worship anything that has been created. Anything, that was cre- anything in heaven other than God was created. You're not to worship anything in heaven other than God. This is what he's saying. You're not to worship anything else on the earth. That you are only to worship the creator, not the created. In other words, that if you're in a relationship and that person is preeminent on top in your life, then you have made that person God and you are worshiping a created thing. And it's idolatry. And this is what he's addressing here. That's what he's addressing. He goes on. He says, and he says this. He says, you shall not bow to them or serve them, for I am the Lord, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. Jesus would say it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this. He says, you cannot serve two masters. 
You will either love the one and hate the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. That when you have two masters, one of them becomes the priority. In other words, God is not okay being second in your life, and he's also not okay being tied for first in your life. That he is preeminent. He's on the top. Here he is. God is first in your life. The second thing of importance in my life is my family. And for me, this would include my wife and my daughter, Abby, my immediate family. This is of second importance in my life. Everything outside of my relationship with God falls under my relationship with my wife and Abby. And listen, the Bible has a lot to say about this. The Bible tells me how I'm to instruct my children. The Bible tells me how I'm, how I'm to, to treat my child and how I'm to raise her up. The Bible t- tells me how I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The, my, the Bible tells me how, how I'm supposed to interact and how I'm supposed to treat her and how I'm supposed to lead her and be a spiritual leader in the home and model what it looks like to have Jesus preeminent in my life. The Bible tells me these things. The Bible is not silent on family. And we're going to come to this in a minute when it's on your priorities, but I want you to see this. That in God's eyes, your relationship with him is sacred. And your relationship with your family is sacred. Just like my relationship with my family is sacred. Then third is my ministry. And for me, it's my work. I'm a vocational minister. I get paid to be a pastor. This is what I do. This is my life. And so uh, this is my ministry. My ministry never trumps my family. That if my family needs me and the church needs me, my family will always get priority. Because I can serve at any church, but I only have one family. And I love all of you. But I love my wife and my baby girl so much better. He's like, oh, man, that's messed up. (laughs) I love my ministry of work. Now, listen, listen. The Bible has a lot to say about work. Has a lot to say about it. In fact... Uh, In Genesis chapter 2, we see that that God telling man that he's going to work the land. This is before the fall. This is before Adam and Eve sinned. That a part of the responsibility of man is that we would have responsibility. That we would work. We live in a culture and a world that doesn't want to work. They want everything handed to them. And this is sacred. This is something that's important to our relationship with God. This is important. God talks about this a lot. In fact, uh, friends are an important thing. But in the list of things, friends come secondary. Like we have Dig coming up here in a couple weekends. I'm so excited for that treat. It's going to be sick nasty. Listen, between our high school and middle school weekend, we have over 600 students signed up. Is that not insane? That's crazy. Now listen, as a part of that, the Bible tells us that I'm to love my neighbor as myself. That I'm supposed to love my neighbor. That I'm supposed to forgive each other. And I'm supposed to have relationships and have friendships. But, but if my friend calls me and says, hey, bro, we're having a bonfire over at my house on Dig Weekend. You want to come over and hang out with us? No. No, I'm not because, because ministry is more important. So I've, I've laid these things out. Now let me give you a practical example of how this priority thing works in my life. One of my favorite things to do in life, there's actually three favorite things I like to do. I like to play softball because I used to be a baseball player. I like, to, I like to hunt, and I like to fish. My three favorite things to do. Now, in 2015, my, uh, my wife works at 12 Stone as well. She works here till late, sometimes 10, 30, 11 o'clock on Sunday night. I'm here until 10, 30 on, Sunday night, on, on Tuesday night, and I played softball on Monday night. So that's three nights in a row that I would not be able to be with my family. And so I had a conversation with my wife last year, and I said, you know what? 
um, I'm not going to play softball this year because we have a small kid. Now, that's a significant thing for me because I love to do it, but it's one of my hobbies. And I sacrifice that for my family because my family is a higher priority than the hobbies that I have. Now, when I did that in December, my wife came to me and she says, Derek, I want you to know you'll never know how much I appreciate you sacrificing softball, something I know is really important to you, so that you could be here, so that you can be here with us as a family, so that you can <clears throat> help care for Abby and you're not absent from her life. And, and it was just a, you know, and it was a really moving thing that my wife said. And she says, and this year, I want you to make sure that you're able to play softball. And I said, baby, I will as long as it does not get in front of my priorities. See, that's what responsible people do. Responsible people know what the priorities are, and then they don't sacrifice what's ahead of it for what's behind it. That's what responsible people do. Now, this is my life, and I want to jump over to your life. Your life, your priorities. What should your priorities be? Well, going back to the scripture in Exodus chapter 20, your primary priority should be your relationship with God. If you're a Christian and you're in this room, I'm not talking to people who don't believe in God and don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus and you say, hey man, like this is my priority, this is number one in my life, that what God says matters more than what anybody else says, that God is preeminent in my life. He's number one. Second to that is my family. And the Bible has a lot to say uh, how you are to interact with your family. Now, your family is not your wife and your kid, but your family is your parents and your siblings. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. In fact, the Bible tells us that we have to submit to the authorities in our life. The Bible tells us that we are to honor and respect our parents, that we're to obey our parents. The Bible doesn't say honor your parents if they're honorable. The Bible says honor your parents, period. See, it's oftentimes in honoring, obeying, and respecting our parents that actually it draws them into who Christ is that they don't know who he is. That you may be, that your greatest mission field might actually be in the home that you live in right now. That you get to share and model the love of Christ. And we have a responsibility in this in our family. And I'll tell you this, uh, ladies, and I'll tell you this, men, that if the person that you're dating has a terrible relationship with their parents, they're always fighting with them, they're always getting after it with them, things are always broken in that relationship, and I'm not talking about just little tiffs here and there, because that just happens in close relationships, but if that stuff is going on, I'm telling you right now, it is going to bleed over into your relationship, that eventually it'll become that way in your relationship. If you ever want to be family with them, get married to them, if you ever want to be family with them, if they can't treat their family right, they're not going to treat you right when you become their family. You say, well, marriage is different. Marriage is just different than my parents. No, no, it's not. In fact, I'll tell you this. You can ask the people that are married in the room that one of the biggest pieces of baggage that we bring into our, our, our marriage is the selfishness, is the entitlement, is, the, is all of the things that we had in us that we never dealt with when we were under the authority and leadership of our parents. That under your parents, you are practicing and learning how to submit to God and the other authorities in your life. And you're practicing how to submit to one another, as the Bible would teach us in Ephesians chapter 5, in a marriage. That this is something that you are learning to do as a part of your relationship with your parents. That this is a significant part of your life. This is the reason the studies show us that if you come from a home of divorced parents, that, that divorce for your marriage is exponentially higher than someone who comes from a home where, where the husband and wife, where the mom and dad were there all the way through. That's the reason I would suggest for every person in this room that before you ever walk down the road to get married, that you get some solid 
godly Christian counseling, premarital counseling to prepare for marriage. That There's nothing else that really prepares you for that in that way. And especially if you had some brokenness in your parenting relationship with a parent that, that is supposed to be parenting you and caring for you. Or if there's been a divorce in the family. Make sure that you get that to prepare yourself for the future. People say, man, don't talk to teenagers about marriage. They don't care about marriage. The fact is, is that almost every person in this room one day will be married. And you don't want to hear about this when I'm telling you now, 10 years into your marriage when it's falling apart. Because you've already seen the wake of destruction that's happened in your family or in other people and friends' families that you have. Family's important. Your schoolwork's important. This is a priority. This is your work. My work is ministry, and this is what I do, and for your parents, it's the job that they go to. But right now, what God has entrusted you with is your schoolwork. Now, I'm not here saying that, you know, man, you got to, you know, take all, go exert yourself, take all these kinds. I think there are people that are obsessed with their grades, people that go too far with this. They overexert themselves on this. They actually make this a God in their life, that their schoolwork becomes the priority. It's bigger than Jesus, that they actually worship what success that they have, and, and it's all about what classes they take. And let me show you how this works. People who are like that, they hardly ever come to age 12. They're never spending time with God because they don't have time to spend time with God. They don't have time to come to church because all they're doing all the time is schoolwork. And maybe if that's you, you need to reprioritize. You need to set some of those things in order. Now, these can all be shuffled around. I don't necessarily think these are in any particular order. But I just want to show you that there are your priorities in your life. Some of these God's talks specifically about. And you can say, man, softball. That's what you gave up for your family. That doesn't really seem to be a big deal. So much harder for me to give up a relationship or to have a conversation about schoolwork or have a conversation about these other things that are going on in my life. But I'm telling you, if you don't set these priorities in order, the truth is you're going to have this tension, this rub in your life for the rest of your life. This guides me in everything I do. In fact, my wife and I sit down before we got married, and I wrote this down for my wife and told her, these are the priorities in my life, and this is how I'm going to prioritize it. And that's the truth. And that's what you have to do. You have to set it as a priority. You have to be intentional. Now, why do we have this conversation? Here's the reason. Remember earlier I said we all want to be in relationships that adds to our lives and not subtracts? So here's the question for you. For those of you that are in relationships, for those of you that are in relationships, wherever it is down here, the dating relationship, for those of you in relationships, here it is. Are you closer to Jesus or further away from him because of the dating relationship that you're in? Has it subtracted and taken away from Jesus being the priority in your life? Or has it spurred that on and encouraged that? See, when I met my wife, my wife and I both were following Jesus separately. We loved God. He was the priority in our life. We were content being single for the rest of our life until we met each other. And we met each other because we were content in our relationship with Jesus. And we started this relationship with one another. And we're giving each other scripture. And we're talking about, you know, godly things. And we're talking about Jesus. I cannot remember a, re a conversation in a, the whole, uh, you know, uh, our whole dating and, and courting relationship and, and marriage rela and, and uh, 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 engagement relationship. I can't remember a time where we would go like a day without having a conversation about our relationship with God. Because that is interwoven into who we are as believers. It's just who we are. That our relationship with each other was spurred on because of our relationship with Jesus. How about this? Is the relationship that you're in with your guy or your girl, is it 
subtracting from your relationship with your parents. In other words, is your relationship with your parents worse because you're in a relationship with that guy or that girl? Or has it improved? Or has it at least stayed the same? See, what happens is when you get into a relationship, what happens is you start to isolate yourself. You begin to move that person the longer you date up this chart until eventually they become preeminent. And then you start, you start falling out, and all of a sudden I start seeing you missing from age 12. And then, and then, and then I start, and I talk to you, and it's, yeah, man, my, my family and our relationship with my parents are going terrible. And then all your friends are going, hey, man, uh, she started dating him, and we don't ever see her anymore. It's always about them. They're all together. And what happens is you just move that person that you're dating up this list until they became the priority in your life and you cut everything off. And this is what happens. What happens is, is that God can never honor your relationship because you haven't prioritized the way that things are supposed to be prioritized. So your relationship dissolves and falls apart because God tells you it will. And it dissolves and falls apart. And then you're left heartbroken. You're left heartbroken and you're going, man, I just don't really know why that just happened to me. God's going, hey, man, if you would set things in priority, your relationship would have had a chance. But you decided that you wanted to set other priorities. And so the relationship dissolves and you break up. And then what happens? You don't have any friends. Because all the friends that you had before, you left for the guy. You made him priority. You feel lost in church. You feel lost in your relationship with God. And so you start going back to old sin and old stuff that you used to do and be involved in. Because you're lost without your relationship with God because it's been so long since you've been around Him. You're lost in your family because you burned bridges with your parents and, and you've been doing stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing. You've been getting in trouble for that and your, your parents are on your case and they're on your back. And you feel lonely and you feel broken. Listen, that cycle has played itself out over hundreds of times with students in this ministry right here. It has. I have the conversations with you. I've had multiple conversations with students this week going through that very thing that I just said. It's the pattern, and you have to know. You have to see it. You have to know how to prioritize. This is why it's so important. This is why you need to stick through this series over the next couple of weeks because it's going to be powerful. It's going to be life-changing. We're going to go after some of this stuff that is going to be really significant for you to understand. Now, I want to go back to Jesus. If you are obsessed with dating, it's probably a result of something that is broken in your understanding with who God is and who he's created you to be. That if you're obsessed with dating and you have to find fulfillment in a guy or in a girl and you feel like something's missing from your life in that way, because that's what it is. Obsession is feeling like something's missing. It is because something is broken in your understanding of who God is and who he's created you to be. And you will never find satisfaction to that peace that's missing, to that void that's in your life in a relationship with any person other than the person of Jesus. And that's the truth. And for some of you in this room, your obsession isn't dating. Your obsession is maybe a myriad of other things. But all of those obsessions lead to a road of emptiness because you will never find fulfillment and fullness in anything other than Jesus. Now some of you are sitting in this room, you're like, Derek, you say that all the time. Because if you could just get that thought, it would change your life. That he is enough. He is sufficient. He is sufficient to meet every need that your soul desires, every need that your soul was created for. And when you go outside of him to try to find that fulfillment, you are saying, Jesus, you're not enough for me. 
And he's going, yes, I am. If you would just surrender, if you would just allow me to work in your heart, no guy or girl can satisfy what only Jesus can satisfy. So to do, to do, here it is, get your priorities right. Get your priorities right. Maybe for you, you need to go home tonight or sometime this week and you need to write out your priorities. You need to start looking at them. You need to start seeing, hey, are, are, are my priorities in the right order? Are things in the place where they need to be? Start having some conversations. Maybe you're in a relationship in this room and you're like, you know what, Derek, what you're saying is right. I have made this person preeminent in my life. The truth is I have distanced myself from God. The truth is I have distanced myself from my friends. The truth is I have distanced myself from my family. The truth is, is that this relationship hasn't added to my life other than I have someone who I feel like is meeting some of my needs, but all of this other stuff is still missing. Maybe for you, you need to have some conversations in that relationship. You need to reprioritize some things. Maybe you need to take some time apart. Maybe you need to break up for forever. Maybe they're not the type of person that is ever going to add value to your life. Because here's the truth. It doesn't matter if you get your priorities in order if theirs aren't in order. You can come up here and say all you want to that Jesus is number one in your life. But if Jesus is not number one in their life, it ain't going to work. The Bible tells us that. It says don't be unequally yoked. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Nothing. And he continues on, and, and, and we just see this right here, that, and this happens all the time. So I want to challenge you with that. Get your priorities right. And if you're single and you're in this room, like many of you that stood up earlier, get your priorities right before you get into a relationship with someone. The most healthy thing that you can do for your future relationships is to get healthy first. That the healthier you are when you go into that relationship, the healthier that relationship is going to be. Because here's the deal. No person can bear your burdens. And we get into a relationship, we bring our brokenness and our burdens into the relationship. And we want that person to satisfy the desires and needs of that brokenness in our life. And only God can. You need to get that settled with God before you get into the relationship. And single people get healthy before you get into a relationship. If you just got out of a relationship... You probably need to take six months to a year and not be in a relationship. Spend some time pressing into your relationship with God. Take some time growing in your understanding of that. Start building your friendships, your relationships back. Start building some good priorities in your life and begin to walk in that. And for some of you today, it's as simple as you saying, you know what, Derek, I hear what you're saying. I'm not dating anybody. Actually, I'm not even interested in dating anybody, or maybe you are. But you say, you know what? I never put Jesus as preeminent in my life. He's never been first. He's never been first. You know what? I feel like there's something missing from my life, and, and I don't necessarily run to relationships, but I run to other things. I run to drugs. I run to alcohol. I run to friendships. I run to, I run to, to self-harm. I run to all these different things to try to fill this void or fill something in my life. Maybe that's you. And tonight, you need to say, I want to give my life to Jesus tonight, and I want to put him first in my life. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that's going to land itself in my life. But, but tonight, I, need to, I know I need to surrender my life to him and put him as a priority in my life. And the band's going to come up, and as they come up, if that's you, this is what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you during this last song just to have a conversation with God. And that conversation may go something like this. God... In your own words, God, 
the truth is, is that my priorities have been all jacked up in my life. I've put things before you. I've sinned in my life. I have brokenness in my life. Something's missing. And God, I thank you so much that you love me so much. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. That you rose again so that I can now come to you. So that I can now come to you and experience life. So that that void can be filled in my life. Have some conversation with him like that. In your own words, just have a conversation with him. Tell him that you want a relationship with him. And if that's you, I want to ask you to do something. During this last worship song or at some point before you leave this room tonight, I want you to take that little, uh, that little uh, note guide that you have on your chair and I want you to tear it off and I want you to write your name on it and I want you to check, I surrendered my life to Jesus tonight. And then I want you to come up here to the front uh, at some point tonight and I want you to drop it in this box right here so that we can talk to you about next steps. We're going to walk you along in your faith with God. And then there's some ink pads right here and you can just take your thumb and stick it on the ink pad. And stick it on this cross where we know that every blue thumbprint on this cross is someone who's made a decision for Jesus in our high school ministry since August. It's amazing. And maybe tonight is your night. Maybe tonight you're going to put your finger on this cross. Your, your thumbprint is uh, a reflection of your identity. And it's you saying, God, my identity is no longer my own. God, I put it in your hands. I give it to you. I lay it down at your feet. So I want to pray for you. And I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you to get the right priorities right in your life. 